Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Dustin Hawkinsmith and Johnny McGonigal. Welcome in. It's the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Penn State Health. And it's a new look for this. You've seen Johnny McGonigal uh, on PennLive.com. You've heard him with Bob Flanders and David Jones. This is our first time together, Johnny. And I think we've done some podcasting in the past. You were with the, the Center Daily Times covering Penn State. Uh, then you moved out to Pittsburgh with the Post-Gazette to cover pit football. And now you're back with us. And we are so happy to have you covering Penn State. You know, we'll be doing this um, typically Fridays throughout the season to touch on a little bit of recruiting, whether it's news or whether it's analysis, and we'll get into Penn State games as well. But for now, I thought since you're kind of re-emerging back with the Penn State beat, we'll just kind of take a a big picture look at what's been going on on the Penn State recruiting front. Yeah, absolutely, Dustin. And hey, man, you know, I'm excited to be podcasting with you. Yeah, there's plenty to get to, plenty to discuss with this uh, Penn State team and how it all kind of came together and and where it's going, you know, obviously with the news this week of Drew Aller as well. I did want to start with Drew Aller, um, forward looking in this podcast all around, but Drew Aller being named the number two quarterback, I thought was just super significant in all kinds of ways. Um, I think when push comes to shove, when you have these training camp position battles, uh, the onus really is on the younger guy to, to leave zero doubts about whether he deserves that position or not. And so for for James Franklin to say that Drew Aller has left zero doubt that he is their second best quarterback, uh, I thought they'd be a little bit more conservative to not uh, make any distinction between uh, Drew Aller and Bo Perbola yet. And then to hold off as long as possible to, uh, to decide which of those guys is ahead. But it would seem pretty clear that Drew Aller, um, you know, was not only better than Bo Perbola this training camp, but also better than Christian Veyor, which was a bit of a surprise. But you know, there are all kinds of ramifications going forward, but how, how significant did you really think this was for him to be QB2? Well, there was a, a even bigger revelation when James Franklin said, hey, guys, it's not Veyu, it's Veyor. I thought it was Veyu the whole time. And, of course, you've been on the beat for two weeks. You, you learn some things along the way. Uh, but, yeah, CV, we, we thought that he was going to be the guy, the, the number two quarterback. And, you know, you just kind of look back at what last season was, right? You had Taquan Roberson and – that whole debacle at Iowa, and then you know, CV gets his chance against Rutgers, and I mean, he played like a you know starter in the Big Ten. And granted, it is Rutgers, but he performed well, and I think that you know garnered some confidence for himself, you know, personally, right? Like you got to feel pretty good about that. You watch what happened at Iowa and didn't have the chance to go out and do it, and then you have your chance and and you you do the thing, and now it's like 
man, I'm the third string guy again, but that's credit to Drew Aller. I mean, maybe, you know, we, we know James Franklin doesn't like to talk about injuries. Maybe uh, Bayer is a little banged up ahead of this Purdue game. Maybe not. Maybe it was just Drew Aller, you know, flexing his muscles, the five-star freshman going out there and getting the job done. And, you know, we talk all the time about recruits and how important it is for these guys to get in and enroll in January ahead of spring camp, especially for quarterbacks, right? Learning a new system. Uh, and, and you could tell that that was really important for Aller to get in early, uh, get to know Mike Yurcich's offense. And, you know, again, this is a fluid thing. James Franklin said it's going to go week to week. But, I mean, you know, if, if you're if you're the guy from week one and, and, you, and you know, if you're taking those second team reps and, uh, yeah, it's big for Aller's development now and in the future. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you about that just in terms of fluidity. I mean, if there is more to the story as you – as you said, if there is something that Christian Veyu had to miss time or something like that, I can see that. But in general, this feels like a toothpaste out of the tube moment. You know, it's hard to go back from, from here. So I think they were pretty solid on Drew Aller. And I think there will be opportunities. And I think, you know, in this day and age, it really feels like it's super important, especially, you know, knowing that it's the end of the road here for Sean Clifford in 2022, that Drew Aller gets some form of game reps along the way. And then obviously, you know, him being number two now would indicate that he's got a pretty hearty lead as they open this thing up next year. And you're looking at, you're staring down the barrel of whether he preserves a redshirt or not as a guy who's probably going to be, Uh, a starter for three years. Now, crazy stuff happens, obviously, but, you know, for the future of this depth chart, this was, this was big too, to, to say, you know, no, no uncertain terms that uh, Drew Allers got the lead when they, when they opened this quarterback competition up. Yeah. And I think if you're a Penn State fan, if you're looking in the present and the now you've got Purdue on Thursday, you got Auburn in a couple of weeks. I don't think you want to see Drew Aller in, in those games because that means either Sean Clifford was bad enough that they had to pull him or he got hurt. And, you know, getting hurt in a road game against a Power 5 team earlier in the season, uh, again, we saw what happened in Iowa last year. You don't want that to happen. In an ideal world, I feel like, all right, Sean Clifford is your guy for this season. This is his final season. He doesn't get a seventh year. So if, if he's the, you know, he's the guy and he performs well enough to get you to, you know, 9-3, and three, maybe push for 10-2, and two, something along those lines. I'm sure Penn State fans, you know, optimism is always abound in, in the preseason. And so, uh, he puts you in that position and then Drew Aller maybe gets in uh, for reps, like you said, Dustin, you know, in games against maybe you know Ohio, Central Michigan. Uh, maybe they're blowing out Rutgers and he gets into that game. And so uh, you do want to see him get playing time. But I think it's a matter of circumstances wh- where and how you want to see Drew Aller take his first snaps for Penn State. You don't want to see him under duress uh, at Jordan-Hare Stadium down in Auburn uh, for his first reps, ideally you get some in Ohio and Central Michigan and work work his way in eventually to be you – know, he, he's in an ideal world, your future at not only quarterback but of the program. Uh, so you definitely want to get him some reps this year. And I think that's the encouraging part, that the future of the program appears to be on the right track. And physical tools are, are outstanding. You know that. Christian Veyor, I thought, was um, – and by the way, Dwight Gall last year said Veyor – um, either, I think it was in the winter time when he met with reporters and he said, it's actually Bayor. I thought he was full of it. Honestly, I, you look, you look at that spelling and I just, I can't glean an, an R sound out of it, but, uh, learn something new every day, I guess. It's like hearing it, that there's no like a in there. Cause you know, with, 
you know, with all the EU X, I'm like, all right, I, I got to get this down. You know, like I'm going through my flashcards once I get, you know, get the call, I'm on the job and I'm like, all right, Christian Baker, that's one I need to know. And it seems like, you know, I, Aller is more, more of an easy spelling, thankfully, uh, as the back. Yeah, I think they made it pretty clear that they 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 like Christian Veyor, you know, the temperament and stuff, but the the physical tools of Drew Aller, just hard to ignore that. Speaking of physical tools and and stuff like that. So in 2022, you got a guy in Bo Perbola who, you know, a little lighter in that wow factor when it comes to the the arm strength and stuff like that, but with the the dual threat and the moxie, I feel like in the 23 class, you know, they started out with Marcus Stokes, who seemed to be a rising prospect from Florida. He decommits. Not a not a huge surprise, I think, from the state of Florida. And that's kind of a theme in this class. Guys from the South changing their minds and maybe sticking closer to home. But then the plan B option of Jackson Smolik. I don't know if you got a chance to really look at this kid. But as far as plan B options go, especially in the month of July, when you're over halfway through the recruiting cycle and you're back in the market and it's like 31 out of 35 of the top prospects in the country at its position are already committed elsewhere. This was not a bad consolation prize. And somebody that, you know, when you're when you see the the shadow that Drew Aller casts as being a true freshman, especially now, you need somebody to come in and, and be able to um compete through that and to have a little bit of a, a chip on his shoulder. That's Jackson Smolik to me, who's a pretty good player who just hadn't really gotten the offers, but it's a pretty nice get so far in this class. Yeah, if you're Tulane's coaching staff, you're, uh, you know, you really wish you were able to hold on to Jackson Small. I mean, that, that would be a guy where you feel like you, it would be a coup to hold on to him after he gets a late minute, you know, addition to the Elite 11 and performs well there, picks up an offer from Cal. I mean, that's the kind of guy, like you said, at this point in the process that you're, you're Penn State, you're looking for a quarterback to come in and, you know, obviously, can, you know, compete and push, you know, Drew Aller and Bo Perbula. But also, honestly, be a body. You need scholarship quarterbacks, and they feel like every single class you want at least one. Um, and so Jackson Small can be that guy for them. You know, did you want Marcus Stokes to decommit and pick Florida? No. You know, that is not that's not what you want, but it is what it is. And, you know, Southern guys like to stay home, and, uh, you know, you'd like to be able to hold on to him. But at the same time, if you're, uh, if you're Jackson Small, too, I mean – you know, just a couple months ago, you were you know committed to Tulane, which I'm sure that'd be you know a heck of a time down in uh, Louisiana. And but at the same time, like you now get to come to Penn State and you get to compete at uh, the Power Five level and uh, in, in in the Big Ten, and you get to go to the Rose Bowl maybe in a couple of years uh, in conference play. So uh, yeah, I think there's a lot. You know, it's a win-win for both uh, parties there, and uh, yeah, it's a good situation. And I think it's interesting when you're you're going through quarterback recruiting, as you mentioned, transfer threats are it's very real. And I would say the situation now, without knowing where Christian Veyor's head's at, like the transfer threat seems to be fair for him and or Bo Perbola at some point, just looking at the inevitability of if that ends up being the case. But with Jackson Smolik, I feel like, you know, in this class. I don't think you were looking for a guy who was ready-made to start in year one. I think if, in an ideal situation, you come in and you get a guy who's realistic about the about the chance the, about the possibility that he's going to need two, three years to develop before he's ready for that. And that's where the continuity, I think, comes in. The type of prospect that they're getting in Jackson Smolik is a guy who maybe is a little less likely to transfer because he understands where he's at in the development process, and you can maybe keep him around for a few years. 
Yeah, and look, I mean, when you look at quarterbacks, you have to look at look ahead and consider the portal, given what it is right now, especially for quarterbacks. I mean, once a quarterback goes in the portal, the, the, the buzz is just off the charts, especially if it's a guy from a Penn State or a Michigan or wherever, you know. And so, I mean, will Christian Bayor enter the portal? Maybe. I mean, it's it's hard to say no at this point because – you see what Drew Lar is right now. Uh, you, you were thinking, all right, he's the five-star guy, and he's going to be waiting in the wings eventually. Uh, but I'm sure if you're Christian, you didn't expect uh, him to end up taking that backup job. And so, uh, will will he, you know, end up at another school? Maybe. Um, but that's why you just keep recruiting. That's why you keep bringing in quarterbacks. That's why you, again, it's the position that churns in and out so much uh, with the portal. So you need a Jackson Small to come in. And uh, and, you know, hopefully shut down his recruitment and not field any more offers and interest elsewhere. Uh, you got to see that through just as you do all these other recruits. But, uh, you know, even with uh, the uncertainty there uh, with potential portal activity moving forward, I think Penn State's quarterback room is in a good spot right now. I do, too. And, and just one final note on this. Penn State under James Franklin has actually done fairly well at adjusting on the fly when when a primary target decommits. Um, Justin Fields in 2018 uh, was replaced by Will Levis. And prior to that, Tommy Stevens was a plan B option too. And while those guys ended up transferring before they did the bulk of their playing, I think it's clear that they identified good targets as consolation prizes. And I think they did the same thing here. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different. And we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. So another key position that I think is interesting, especially as it pertains to the 2023 recruiting class, is the offensive line. It's been a while since Penn State has gotten more than one blue chip guy in the same class. So 2018 was Rashid Walker and Nana Asidu, who ended up um, having a heart condition and had to retire early. So that was the last time they got two guys who were highly, highly regarded. And I think that's such an important thing, like, you know, as everybody watches this offensive line is that they haven't really knocked it out of the park with offensive line recruiting. Now there's all kinds of variables and three stars become, you know, multi-year starters all the time. So it's not everything, but in this class, you know, I think it, it really is important um, with Alex Birchmeyer being, I think the top interior offensive lineman in the country and Javen Williams being, you know, arguably one of the, maybe the most talented pure offensive lineman that James Frank, one of, James Franklin's most talented offensive line prospects. So this group of 23 guys, you know, I think it's 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 a good timing, I think, for it to be featuring a foundation of offensive linemen because they they do need another wave of talented guys to start coming through. For sure. And you look at even what the what they have on the offensive line right now, Landon Tegwall uh, was a blue chip guy and he's looking like he'll be a starter uh, at guard this season for Penn State. And yeah, I mean, you go back to 2018 and 
you know, Rasheed Walker was one of those blue chip guys. And, you know, he, he ended up being a draft pick, but obviously he fell short of uh, probably his own expectations and the internal expectations for him. And uh, Nano, I mean, that's, that's just an unfortunate situation that you can't really foresee, but it's just, a, you know, those two guys, you know, it's an example uh, you know, for one reason or another, you know, recruits are never a sure thing, you know, regardless of what their ratings are, what their stars are. But I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, Alex Birchmeyer looks like the real deal. You know, Javen Williams looks like the real deal. You just need to be able to develop those top tier offensive linemen, not just get them on campus, because you look at James Franklin's tenure at Penn State, uh, you know, they've never recruited and developed a first or second round lineman. I mean, Donovan Smith went in the second round in 2015, uh, but he was recruited all the way back. I believe it was Joe Paterno's staff in 2011. And so it's been a while since, you know, Penn State has had one of those premier guys and, you know, James Franklin and his staff, have, you know, that's always been an issue. Uh, it's been the offensive line and you can tell in the, you know, the production in terms of uh, what they've got in the league, they've got guys in the league. I mean, Ryan Bates, you know, Will Fries, but these guys are fifth, sixth, seventh round picks. You, you want to you know, establish yourself along uh, along that you know, front line in the trenches with you know, first and second round talent. It seems like they're getting, you know, starting to get some of those guys on campus. It's just a matter of developing them and, and turning them into those guys. And I know it's, it's, it's a reach, and that's a good point about churning out high-level NFL talent is something that, that they still need to do, which feeds into the impatience with this group. Um, in 2023, I know it's, you know, there's a bunch of variables here, but there's a possibility that all five guys are back. Uh, there's a possibility that, you know, Hunter Norzad is back. Uh, Caden Wallace, if he's back to where they thought he would be, like I remember talking to Landon Tengwall before he got to Penn State. And the thinking from what he indicated inside the program was that Caden Wallace was definitely leaving early for the NFL draft. The way things went last year, you're not so sure about that now. So he could be back, but it'll be interesting. Like if, for example, Caden Wallace moves on, you could have Landon Tangwall bump outside. You have a couple guys in this class, Birchmeyer especially, who could be ready to compete right away. You could go from, you know, replacing a bunch of guys this year to having a pretty good amount of continuity next year, which would be a, a refreshing change of pace for, for Penn State fans. And I mean, what does that do for your running game, right? When you have two blue chip guys like with Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, I mean, both of those running backs, uh, you know, they're going to play throughout this season. Those are two guys who will, you know, unless they get injured or something happens, they're not going to be redshirting. Uh, so they're going to have a lot of experience. And if you have this young wave of, of offensive line talent coming in next year, as well as guys returning, I mean, that's just a really good situation for a running back room that is young and talented and a quarterback in Drew Aller that we talked to, uh, you know, a lot about earlier uh, who's young and talented coming in. So that's just, you know, looking at 2023 and then even beyond that 2024, I think you can start to see that foundation be laid. Anything else jump out to you about the 23 class? Like for me, it's the, it's the safety group. And I feel like there's probably a connection to be made with, you know, philosophically because 2022 had a bunch of safety types also, uh, you ended up seeing Christian Driver, who was listed as maybe a safety, maybe a wide receiver. He starts at cornerback. Now you got four safeties in this group, uh, and you also saw Jonathan Sutherland move up from safety to linebacker. You saw Tyrese Mills move up from safety to linebacker. There's some mobility when you get guys who are in that like six foot, 185 pound range, and you got four such guys: Elliot Washington, King Mac, Conrad Hussey, and Dakari Nelson's really interesting at six three, two ten, or whatever he is, as maybe being the next guy who moves from safety to linebacker. But I think there's something to it, getting all these safeties in these two classes because it gives you some options um, from a coaching staff perspective. 
Yeah, you love that flexibility, especially with where defenses are going. A lot of four two five, a lot of you know, a lot of dime packages, and uh, with the emphasis on you know spread offenses in the passing game. I and mean, this isn't new stuff necessarily, but you want that kind of athleticism. Uh, you look at the NFL and what they require at linebacker these days. Cover you know in pass coverage. Uh, so you look at those guys, Elliot Washington, you know, Nelson and, and Hussey. I mean, these are guys that they're going to have to hold on to, though. They're like, again, these are guys you're going to have to keep recruiting to stay in your class. It's great that you flipped Elliot Washington uh, from Alabama. I mean, that's a hell of a recruiting job, uh, but you have to hold on to him. Conrad Hussey, I mean, down at St. Thomas Aquinas, he's going to have every Florida school, you know, coming at him, every school in the South coming at him saying, hey, like, come on, let, let's let's flip. Let's come over. Uh, so it's going to be a challenge for this Penn State staff to hold on to these guys. It's not going to be easy, but uh, you get if you get these four safeties on campus and you know enrolled, I mean, you, there, there's a lot of flexibility, a lot of promise there, and I think that that could end up being the strength of the 2023 class, aside from those two uh, offensive linemen that we talked about already. Yeah, I think I saw number 12 class in the country. Um, they've taken some hits recently with some decommitments. And as you mentioned, all four of those safeties are all guys from the South. Three Florida kids and an Alabama kid and Dakari Nelson. So, you know, you better believe come October and November as signing day is approaching and schools can come to guys and be like, you realize it's 25 degrees right now in State College. You know, I, th- I think there's it- – it's great to recruit the South, but it does have some pitfalls as we've seen this cycle as well. Um, one last thing I wanted to touch on was just where the current roster is, because obviously you saw what Penn State, they struggled in 2020 on the field. They struggled uh, you know, in 2021 in the second half of the season on the field. Those two recruiting classes were also kind of tough for James Franklin, which we've seen him. You know, he's got a manual. He's got a way that he goes about things. But when he encounters something that he's never seen before, like the, the like lightning at Michigan State a few years ago, like the pandemic recruiting where everything went digital, it set them back a little bit without a doubt. And I, I do feel like in some ways, the way the roster is built now, other than having a six-year quarterback and having a, um, some other veterans places, they're, they're skewing pretty young. And I feel like uh, the way they've recruited in 2022 and 2023 is pretty encouraging for where they might be able to go and almost kind of, gets you thinking that, you know, when or if they're going to be able to resume where it looked like they were going in 2016. I think the talent they've gotten in this cycle so far and and last cycle kind of indicates that maybe they can get back there. Yeah, Dustin, you mentioning that lightning delay at Michigan State. I was on the beat for that. And, oh, man, you just gave me flashbacks to when Dave Dave Jones was losing his mind in the press box uh, over that. It was uh, it was quite a, quite a scene. But no, you look at the the talent that I mean. Look back at the twenty twenty two class. We talked about Singleton and K Tron Allen and Drew Alar, but Deny Dennis Sutton is a guy who's going to play. You know, this year off the edge uh, for them. Caden Saunders, you know, uh, you know Taylor Subblefield, the wide receivers coach uh, for Penn State, was on a call with uh, reporters earlier today and talking about how Caden is starting to work his way in. You know, so I mean, even you look at Makai Flowers and uh, you know Kentali's gone, but you know Abdul Carter is a linebacker who who they really like and started to stand out uh, in camp. And Zane Duran as well as defensive tackle is going to get some run. And so it's not just the heavy hitters; it's not just the headliners at, at running back that are going to be playing uh, this year. And so yeah, you have a six-year senior in Sean Clifford. You've got you know experience uh, really across the board, you know, wide receiver and some older guys on the offensive line. And then obviously defense, PJ Mustafer, those kind of leaders, Jonathan Sutherland, et cetera. You've got a lot of young guys who are going to be a part of this team. And 
uh, part of you know what they hope to be a successful season, and that really, I mean, that really gives you confidence going forward into twenty three and even twenty four. Uh, if you're a part of a nine win season, uh, you know something that ends well, uh, helping those seniors go out on top, right? That that makes you feel good, but it also uh, puts some good tape out there and gets a good experience. Laying a foundation, I think Penn State fans hope that uh, can take them someplace a little bit better than eleven and eleven over the past two seasons. We'll be here all season with. Really more of a forward thinking, uh, looking ahead a bit, you know, recruiting and, and how things factor into future plans. That's what we'll be doing every Friday here on Penn Live. You can catch this podcast, The Blue White Breakdown. We're doing stuff every day. That's everywhere you can find podcasts and check us out at PennLive.com slash Penn State Football. And we'll see you next time on The Blue White Breakdown. This has been The Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Penn Live.